today on Laura Lynn and Friends. That there was no reasonable and probable grounds to invoke the Emergencies Act and that the government exceeded their jurisdiction, both constitutionally and legislatively, in doing so. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Days. My name's Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson, and it is a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I've already had an incredible day, had a wonderful uh, visit for lunch with a friend from back east. Uh, she's from uh, Ontario over there, and we know what's happening in Ontario, don't we? Our Prime Minister is being grilled. We hope he's being grilled about some of the measures that he put in place in Canada. Um, so Cody Koontz is going to join us in a little bit after my first guest to maybe give us a rundown because he's there. And some of you may know Cody. He's sort of this uh, junior kid that uh, goes wherever the action in Canada is happening and seems to capture it on video or give us the lowdown on what's happening. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we get to the bottom of it. As we've recently discovered, I think Keith Wilson uh, from the Justice Institute was stating that when he got to cross-examine some of the people that made big decisions uh, for you know the lockdowns that we went through, the imprisonment of some of our uh, pastors, uh, everybody knows about Arthur Pulowski, what he's been through, and he wasn't the only one. Several pastors in Canada facing prison time for standing up for the for the church to be opened. Um, now, in hindsight, everyone, as we're understanding all of the ramifications of what we've been through in the last two years, some things are becoming very clear. Uh, it was interesting that Bill Gates the other day on a clip that I saw said, well, you know, he didn't know that it would be more like a, a flu than a pandemic. Well, great, but we acted on false information and we did a lot of things that were harmful to our society. And those have been implemented and now, the Prime Minister perhaps needs to sort of answer to what took place. I was there in Ottawa when the rubber bullets were shot into the crowd, uh, beanie bags to the face of people. We were there when a peaceful, unarmed group that never broke one window, to my knowledge, that never looted, pillaged, or burned or hurt anyone, we were fired on and an emergencies act was initiated in Canada. And you want to really ask a few important questions like the lady did yesterday in that clip we showed, where you say, was everything done that could be done before you enact an emergencies act that literally straps the entire country, not just not just the city of Ottawa, but the entire country is put into an emergency? For what? When there's more deaths in 2022 than 2020, what does that tell you? It's fascinating, isn't it? Well, a couple things I want to show you. Uh, let's look at Brendan Miller, legal counsel for the Freedom Convoy organizers. Uh, he has taken the stand. And uh, this is an interesting clip. Uh, sort of everyone's given an overview of the theory of their case. 
it is our view that there was no justification whatsoever to invoke the Emergencies Act. The Emergencies Act requires several things. One, it could be invoked due to espionage and sabotage. Are you going to hear any evidence about espionage and sabotage? The answer to that is no. Two, it could be invoked on the basis of clandestine or deceptive foreign influence, or foreign influence that involves a threat to a person. Are you going to hear evidence about that? The answer to that is no. It also could be invoked on the basis of threats or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property. Are you going to hear evidence of violence against persons or property? The answer is no. Lastly, it can also be invoked if there is a group or persons trying to destroy or overthrow by violence the system of government of Canada. Are you going to hear evidence about individuals trying to do that? The answer is no. And the answer is, is that there was no reasonable and probable grounds to invoke the Emergencies Act and that the government exceeded their jurisdiction, both constitutionally and legislatively, in doing so. Thank you. Well, here, here, but here's the next guy. Uh, this is an Ottawa police uh, rep talking about how it was indeed actually an occupation. And here's how he puts it. All of the Ottawa police service officers and all of their partners you will hear work tirelessly and professionally. And that integrated response by the police led by the Ottawa police service uh, and its partners brought what had started as a protest, uh, but become an illegal occupation to a successful resolution. The Ottawa Police Service recognizes the impact upon the residents and businesses in the city from the convoy, and that it was significant. What none of the intelligence predicted in the very brief period of time prior to the convoy's arrival was the level of community violence and social trauma that was inflicted upon the city and its residents. As the demonstration came to a, an end, Chief Bell told the Ottawa Police Services Board that there will be lessons to be learned to make sure the events of the past are not repeated. You will hear that changes have been made to how the Ottawa Police Service handles events like this, and lessons have been learned and the Ottawa Police Service welcomes the opportunity to learn more through this process as it works to rebuild public trust. A complete blazing liar. That's what you just saw. What happened in Ottawa, which I have captured on hours and hours and hours of visual is peace-loving, patriotic Canadians, unarmed, flying flags, asking that they would have bodily autonomy and not lose their jobs for getting, not getting a vaccination. Many of them already vaccinated, but saying, listen, you can't be forcing this onto an entire population and basically bully a country. That's not a democracy. The only violence 
came from the police and those guys, we don't even know where they were from. Were they the French <laughs> army? Uh, you know, some people say UN soldiers. We don't know. They, they didn't have names. They didn't have badges. They just looked super mean. And I asked them, when I was there in Ottawa, to their faces, how many boosters until you're on our side? Because if a government can force you to get two, you know Trudeau has already purchased enough for 10 per person. I ask you, do any of us want to be under a tyrannical government that forces any kind of medical medicine procedure? Is that okay? What's your limit? Some of us say none. Some of you out there say, well, maybe I'll take five. I'll take two plus three boosters, like my doctor. On the sixth shot that you're being forced to take, then are we on the same side? This is what we've had to face in Canada. Now, AOC down in the States, uh, always good for a little bit of a giggle. Uh, she gets shouted down at a town hall event by her own constituents and this is interesting. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are women who are hot. Okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start a third nuclear war with Russia and China. Why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our lives. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment, and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Okay, simple. Are you going to stop nuclear war? Yes or no? There is no line, because this is bullshit. None of this matters if we're all dead. None of it. You know that. Then let's take it up right now, because this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters right now. We could be in a nuclear war at any minute, and you continue to fund it. That's what's going on. Why not right now? You're the liar here. Nobody has held you accountable. That's what's happening. And it is time for you to stand up and realize that what you've been saying has been lies. Let your conscience come through for once. <laughs> did, you, did you hear her? Well, because you are being rude, she's saying. <laughs> 
rude. <laughs> oh man, people are getting upset these days. Um, one more clip before we go to uh, our esteemed guest today. Uh, parents at Encinitas School, am I saying it right? Encinitas School Board meeting speaking out against family-friendly drag shows for kids. I mean, aren't they all family-friendly? Take a look. I just want to know what it is uh, that makes a drag show family-friendly. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family-friendly titles on anything. You can have family-friendly gentlemen's clubs, family-friendly strip shows, family-friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read-alouds. Will you appro approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families, if it's family-friendly? <laughs> That's my question. Wow. Come on. Uh, what is it about a grown man? And I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fishnetted legs as he writhes on the ground, grinding his groin next to a minor, family-friendly. You owe us an answer. No. And you know, you don't get to hide by just taking something down off Peachtree and calling it a day. You owe an explanation right. and an apology yeah. to problem with child porn, with sex trafficking, you, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps and we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing loving. No. There's nothing. Let's unite and include. Because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries. And you don't slap family-friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. Oh, well, that is a firecracker mother. That is a mama bear. Why can't we all speak out like that? Why have so many Canadian parents and maybe American parents, uh, you know, why have they been so silent while they're, they're teaching our kids all of this nonsense, all this unscientific gender ideology, trying to take the identity of your young man, of your young woman that you gave birth to, these beautiful children, and we've got these people sexualizing them, and we just, you know, we don't know what to say. You know, like, we've got to get a, a real backbone here. Because what is going on in our world? Now, y'all know that my dad passed away about a year ago. And I love to read from his Bible because my father, this Bible, it is um, just, it's got torn pages. It is from cover to cover, marked up in different colors of ink. And I opened it up today. And in Jeremiah 6, verse 14, this is what my dad had underlined. It's so precious to my heart. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now, the context of this verse is where God is saying, 
You might be able to solve the pain once in a while by saying, oh, it's peace. Everything's fine. Oh, we'll get through this. I mean, peace, peace, everyone. Yeah, sure. You know, it looks like we're going into nuclear war and our kids are being over-sexualized. We got pedophiles running the schools, but peace, peace. And you bring healing slightly because everybody wants to hear that. But there is no peace. God wants us to speak the truth. And our guest today, Pastor Walter Moss, he is a fighter. And he has been fighting against abortion in Ohio where he was born some, I don't know if I'm allowed to say his age, but he's been in the ministry well over 40 years. And he's written a book, and I'd just like to welcome him to the show. He is... Uh, He's strong. And uh, Pastor Walter, I just thank you for tackling uh, one of the most difficult topics that there is because nobody, everyone's afraid to actually speak out against abortion lest you get attacked, even on social media. Right, right. But I want that, I want, thank you, thank you. And I want that, that late, I want to get that with that lady in San Francisco. That was awesome. (laughs) I'll send it to you. Yeah. yeah, because my wife spoke yesterday in Columbus, Ohio, at our state school board meeting, dealing with the very same thing. She right. was a speaker number 88 out of 90. She stayed from not 8 in the morning till 6 p.m. so that she could speak for three minutes against ah. that spirit of them wanting to bring all this transgender stuff into our school system in Ohio. And they, what they're trying to do is take the rights away from parents. And so my wife went and spoke out along with others. And so that was right on time. And thank mm. you uh, for that. And That's thank you amazing. for all you do. Thank yes. you to your wife for standing yes. up, for being one of the few that will speak. We sure do need that, uh, Pastor yes. Walter. What what people have done is they've decided that it's easier to just, you know, have peace at any cost and not, right. you know, battle. And uh, if if you could tell me a bit about how you decided that you would actually be so involved in this pro-life movement. And I'm sure glad to hear that you're also fighting the gender nonsense that's going on across uh, North America. Oh, definitely, because all evil is tied together. All evil is tied together. And, you know, I use this passage in Hebrews 13, 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. And babies in the womb. I was a baby in the womb once. Amen. 68 years ago. And and God, and I had a, a mother who raised four of us, a godly woman. And so that's I'm here today. But God has called me and my wife. And my ministry is to minister to people who are going to abortuaries to tell them don't kill that baby and to intercede for the unborn across this land and the whole wide world. Yes. So I I discovered a, a, a few years back that whenever I had, you know, I had a healthy Facebook page and uh, I, I would consider that I, I had many sort of more Christian followers, uh, but quite a few, you know, a number of followers. Um, I have almost 80,000 followers uh, on my one page. And actually, I told everybody that it got eliminated 
well, that a whole bunch of followers were taken yesterday. It seemed to show on Facebook that I had 9,000 followers. And I'm like, where's, I, I thought I had 40,000 more, but they're back today. It's like 76,000 followers. I'm like, thank God, I don't know what happened, but they're back. Amen. But you know, um, uh, Pastor Walter, when I would put up something about saving babies, the hate right. that would come oh, yeah. back as if, you know, as if maybe I was talking about killing baby seals. You know, yeah, that, uh, you, that that is the level of angst and anger towards me for yes. wanting to save a baby. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in Ohio, we have a heartbeat bill. And when Roe fell, um, a couple of abortion claims were about to close. And then last month, a, a, a judge, a county judge said that it might be in Ohio Constitution that, that a woman has a right. He said it might be. And he hold, he's holding up our heartbeat bill. And the only reason he's done doing this is because now the abortion areas were going to close. Now they can stay open because they're allowed to kill uh, larger babies and make, it's all about the money and they can continue to make money. So now instead of leaving the state, at least three of them can now stay open right now. It's about money. It's about killing these babies, killing a baby brings in a lot of money. Candace Owens talks about this and about Planned Parenthood, about yes. the eugenics, about yes. the fact that they like to set up in black neighborhoods and, right. and cater to the, I mean, imagine how many more African-Americans, millions would, would be in North America if, right if they didn't have these Planned Parenthood clinics setting up right. in all of these places. These people do not value life or our God-given destinies. Well, you know, I want to read this quote from my book, abortion has killed more than 22 million blacks in less than 50 years. That is more than the entire black population in 1960 America, uh, quoted by my friend, Catherine Davis in 2021. And that's so true. Uh, and I believe it's all a part of that whole thing about the population. Uh, you know, we got to reduce the population. So we deal with it on the end with the babies. And then these last three years, we they brought in COVID, the COVID lie, so we can get rid of older people and people, period, in between to get those numbers down where they want them. But thank God for people like you to have this, uh, have this program and show and others who stand up for righteousness and for the kingdom of God. So what what made you get so heavily into this that you would actually <laughs> write a book and dedicate so much time to this cause? Well, it was God, God really convicted my heart. When I, uh, uh, maybe about 15 years ago, uh, and in the 80s, I was a founder of a, one of the largest pregnancy centers in the, in the United States. It's the second or third largest now. And over the years, you kind of get away from that. And I did. And then one day, uh, somebody challenged me and my wife and said, have you all looked at statistics lately of what's going on in abortion in America and in the black community? And we said, no. And we'd look and I couldn't believe, just like what I just read, I couldn't believe that, uh, that African-Americans make up 13% of the population and we're having about 40% of the abortions and it's, uh, it's a genocide and we're killing ourselves 
And you know, you talk about power. How many more, much more power would we have of a, as a people if we would uh, have let these babies live? And how many more people would we have in this in these United States and in Canada if we would just let these babies live as God intended for them? Amen. So it's been a God. It's been a God call, and that's why we do what we do. I really, really appreciate that because have you experienced some hate coming towards you as you've made this stand? Well, I have, but see, I'm a former football player. I played high school and I, I was a star in high school and got a football scholarship to Ohio University. And so people don't talk to me a lot, but they'll go after my wife or their or, or friends. Right. You're but too for big. some reason, they, they don't come to me and tell me anything personally. <laughs> But I get it. I understand because I usually have opportunities to speak at different churches. And when we really started uh, this uh, book and put this book out there, some of those invitations started to dry up. And I understand. Uh, but we continue to fight. Uh, uh, we were today, I was standing in front of Planned Parenthood, and we just continue to fight. And you know what? I want to thank God. You have a wonderful lady there in Canada named Mary Wagner. Yes. And I want to thank God for her because she has been an example example to many of us here in the U.S. and in the pro-life movement. And I was two years ago, I was in St. Louis at a Red Rose Rescue, their first conference. And we had Mary Wagner on the telephone to talk to us. And I just want to say she's such an inspiration. And to all you pro-lifers there in Canada, don't back up, don't give up, keep the courage, and we're praying for you all. Well, Mary Wagner, uh, for anybody that, that doesn't know her, I mean, she has gone to prison over and yes. over and over again for peaceful yes. protest, for just, yes. you know, uh, sort of uh, breaking the, the bubble that they might put around yes. uh, a facility yes. or whatever. She just peacefully does it and continues yes. to spend her life in, in pursuit of saving yeah. and rescuing the, the children. And Amazing. you know, Marilyn, this is happening, it's happening now. Yeah. That we've had pro-life arrested uh, and a friend of mine from Michigan, she was just arrested because they were saying that they're blocking the entrances of abortion, abortuaries. And those are lies. I've been with these groups. They were in Ohio a year ago and, and uh, we, I went with them. I was outside and nobody blocks anything. That's a lie. So if, what do you tell people that feel that this is the right of a woman to choose. That, you know, we are saying now, uh, my body, my choice. Uh, if we don't want to, let's say, take a vaccine, you know, we might say <laughs> right, that. Right, uh, right. So how how do we um, how do we explain all of this to, to the crowd that just wants every woman to have this right? Well, again, it's a lie that they're believing in and it's not a clump of sales. Uh, that baby, you were that baby at one time you, when you were in your mother's womb, when you were just an embryo, you had the beginnings of 10, of 10 fingers and 10 toes. And uh, it's, it, it, it's a godly, it, you know, it has to be the perspective of a human life. And it's God that gave that life. And so nobody has a right to take that, uh, that life. That, and God said, do not kill. And so I, I try to reach out to the person's humanity because you, we all were that baby in the womb at one time or another in our lifetime. I really like that picture that you have on your book. Are you able to hold that up? Yes. Uh, oh, 
that is really so beautiful. Look at that little tiny precious uh, baby. So precious. Yes. Yeah. So little. Um, you know, yes. I guess one of the things, you know, when you say my body, my choice, I mean, that baby's body is their body. That's right. And that's what God has said. Yeah. That's right. In Jeremiah, God said, I knew you when you was in your mother's womb. Yeah. So that baby is totally separate human being. And the body is just that. It's a body. And that's how God used us. Thank God he used Mary <laughs> to bring Jesus in. Two yes. separate bodies. Yes. Amen. And so many people... Um, there, there's all kinds of stories, a single mom. Uh, I even heard a mom, uh, doing an interview. She had been raped and yeah. she chose to keep the baby. And this young man was amazing and the love of Amen. her life. Amen. And she had made a really difficult decision to just trust the Lord and get through that very hard thing. And then there's been other stories like single moms or whatever. It would be way easier financially. But mm. then they have this child. This child grows up to be some kind of incredible singer, you know, uh, like a or athlete. You know, Right, right, or an athlete yeah. or something like that. I mean, you just don't know the destiny that God yeah. has imprinted into the life of that baby. And then yeah. you make a decision in a rash moment. And I'm sure that you've met a lot of women that have had that deep regret after making a oh, rash decision. Oh, oh, a lot of women. I've seen women in their 70s who, who are working at the uh, uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center now because a year, a few years back, they realized what they did was wrong. And through their repentance and their heart, they wanted to give themselves and working to something that would bring forth uh, life. And uh, they volunteer at the pregnancy centers. And also last year in the, in the US football, Super Bowl, a young man that was playing in the game, his mother uh, was pregnant in Cleveland, Ohio, and was told by family should abort that baby. And she said, no, and she would live at a home that kept women who were pregnant. And that boy grew up to be a football star. And last year in the Super Bowl, he played. And that would have been a young man that would have been there if she would have followed what everybody was saying, you need to get rid of that baby. And, you know, I thank God for my mom. She raised four of us. I didn't know we were poor until I left and went to college. But she raised four of us. And so I don't agree with that philosophy that uh, you can't afford God has put, uh, God has given us everything that we need on this earth, and He will make a way for however many babies that will come forth in whatever family. Yes, and there has been somebody recently that said um, that that eighteen, you know, um, as I traveled through the United States of America, I couldn't believe how many pro-life signs are down there, and I just think that that just invokes the blessing of God on America in a way that we don't necessarily see as much here in Canada. We we are so we have not one law that governs any um, any abortion in Canada. You can have an abortion right up till the baby li literally takes its breath. So even in the birth canal. Uh, we have no laws at all, but I heard somebody saying that, oh, there's nothing to, to that heartbeat that at, at day 18, you can That's see right. the heartbeat. Um, That's so right. why are they dispelling that? 
trying well, because to because they they want to have they want to believe something that's evil so they can continue to do what they do and uh you know they're going to have to answer to god well and that's the thing people don't believe they're going to have the answer but you're going to have the answer because that baby was just like the certain person that says go and kill another baby and i always say this why don't you all want to go and trade places with those babies in the womb that are getting ready to be aborted you would want you would want to change places and be killed and so uh you know it, it it we we made it political instead of moral and spiritual it's a spiritual matter and the reason that people do this is because heart, our hearts man's heart has become hardened toward god yes sir uh what would you say uh in closing what would you say to um somebody who's watching right now and is considering uh what they need to do because they have um an unplanned pregnancy that they're not sure how to how to navigate it all what would you say to them oh i would just say hey there are so many people out there that want to adopt a baby there are so many people out there that uh, will help you there are so many people out there that will love you and uh, be here be there for you and i would say just like you had a, you had a chance to live give that baby an opportunity to live also it's god's will Amen. And if people want to contact you to to uh, see, you know, what resources are out there, um, is that the email that they should do it that we've been yes. putting the graphic? Yeah, they can. You can email me. I'll send you my book free. I'll send you however many books you want, and uh, we'll pray for you and love on you, and we'll send you in my book. There's informational so uh, sources that are. There's even international sources that we can get you. Uh, we're just here to help not only the baby, but the woman and the man. We will help you to get through this. If it's a crisis for you, we will help you. I really love that. Uh, Pastor Walter Moss from Ohio, thank you very much for your service. And would you just tell your wife that I think she's my kind of lady? And I just appreciate hey, I that she's at the school fighting for the kids oh, yes. and waiting yes. all day. May God yeah. bless her ever so incredibly. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you for your, what you and your husband do and your thank family. You. We thank God for you. We love you. And we look forward to when you come back and be with us again in Ohio. In Ohio. All right. I look forward to it as well. Thank you, Pastor Walter. Take You're care. Welcome. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Wow. That is terrific. Um, we are going to, uh, Trent, we're going to pivot to uh, another topic. But, man, I just love everything about that pastor. You know, his spirit, his, the joy with which he speaks, uh, the beauty of who he is. What a, a great life and a great service. How he spends his time. So important. It's important how we all spend our time. So uh, my buddy, Cody Kuntz, has been spending his time today uh, in Ottawa. It, am I correct on that, uh, Cody? We're going to have you come on. Uh, are you truly there uh, finding out what's going on with our prime? Your hair's grown since I last saw you, Cody. <laughs> it has. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm well. So tell me, are, are you there? Are you where this is all going down? 
Yeah, so there's a lot going on in Ottawa, especially for the Emergencies uh, Act inquiry is what we're, we're calling it and many people are calling it. So uh, they had a full day of, I think it was over five hours of people talking. They were bringing different people in. Uh, some of the notes that I took is there is going to be 30 days of hearing. So there's going to be different people from the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, to Tamara Leach, to Chris Barber, to the Ottawa police. Like there's going to be different types of people from all backgrounds of life who kind of had a role in the uh, Emergencies Act being, you know, initiated, so to speak. Um, so that is going to be interesting to hear from all the different people, especially Christia Freeland and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It's going to be interesting to see what he has to say about why he thought it was necessary to uh, use his special powers here. Uh, the, also, another thing that I took note of was the Emergencies Act is not a trial. So a lot of people were saying, you know, for a couple of months that, you know, we're going to find out if everybody's guilty or if everybody's innocent from the Emergencies Act. And that's not the case. This is not a trial for the individuals such as Tamara Leach or Chris Barber or Pat King or the other ones who have been arrested. This is not a trial for them. This is not going to prove whether they are guilty or whether they are innocent. Uh, that is for a courtroom and each separate individual to have their trials for those cases. So whatever the outcome is from this, whether it was appropriate to pull the Emergencies Act or whether it wasn't, it's, it's not going to prove whether or not uh, the individuals are guilty or uh, innocent, which I thought was interesting. Right. So it's sort of more preliminary. We're trying to kind of get to the bottom of, well, what really happened? And I think a lot of people are yeah. in confusion about that. Because uh, we played a couple of clips at the top of this show, and I probably should have saved them for now. But basically, uh, people feel that the the standard for an Emergencies Act to have been implemented was never reached. They could have done many different things. Uh, you were there. Uh, I saw you, Cody, when we were all in Ottawa. And yeah. I remember feeling sorry for you because I didn't think you had a warm enough coat or anything on. And I was like, ah, you know, what are we going to do? And you were just such a trooper. But we were all there. And uh, we were peaceful. There was no guns. Did you see guns, yeah. Cody? Uh, a lot of love, right? A lot of singing of the national anthem, prayer, prayer gatherings, a, a lot of care and love for this country being shown. But no possible reason to invoke an Emergencies Act that allowed these pathetic, pathetic soldiers to come in and start shooting people. Yeah, that's exactly it. So they're going to talk about the crowdfunding, which was a really big part of, you know, the whole Freedom Convoy, the roles of what they call misinformation and disinformation, which uh, they like to throw those words around and some of the efforts of what the police do. And this is to hold uh, people accountable and to try and figure out, you know, what is happening, what happened in the past, present and what they could do in the future to kind of change that so we don't really necessarily see this again. Uh, one of the challenges they like to throw out is the the time. So they only have till February of 2023, and they don't think that's going to be enough time to speak to everybody to get all the relative information out. And they're already wanting to push it off, but uh, we have legislative uh, in you know laws or whatever that make it so it can't be pushed off. That is their deadline, and they are not able to extend it. Uh, they were referring to residential schools and other things in the past where they have had something similar to this. Well, they have, you know, it's taken them years to get a solid report, but uh, their report has to be done by February of 2023. And I think, you know, they've, they, they must have had plenty of resources 
and and reasons to pull it in the first place. So I really think that's a fair fair time for them to, you know, I don't think they need any more than a year to give us a solid answer as to their reasoning behind pulling it. Right. So, um, okay. So it's October, November, December, January, like put, put your heads together and come up with something. Um, yeah. Now you were saying that this was, uh, where, what building is this, this being held in? So it's actually the, it's not at the courthouse. It's two buildings down from the Supreme Court of Canada to the left. It's at the library and arches. I think it's how they say it, Archives building uh, in Ottawa. Okay. On, uh, I believe Archives. it's like Wellington Street or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, how many people are there? There wasn't a whole lot. So there's actually over 250 media requests from over 34 media uh, different news stations. So there's a lot of media that wants to be there, uh, but there's only 20 seats for media. And then there's a room. The room wasn't full today. So I don't know how many I'm, people could really I'm fit so in there, surprised. but it's not a very big room. Yes, me as well. I really um, thought something so, so big, it would be yeah. full. Did you see people yeah. like uh, Rebel News, Kian Bexty? Um... So they are actually, uh, so how the list works is there's 34 news organizations and there's only 20 that can go in at any given time. So Rebel News was not on, I don't believe they were on the list today. They are in the next set of a batch. Same with True North, Western Standard. Those ones did not able to attend um, as a media, I guess, so to speak, today. Okay. Um, and uh, is it on tomorrow? Uh, yes, it is on tomorrow. It's on, I think, till middle of November. So they got a lot to speak about. Um, there's going to be a lot of different groups from, like I said, the government, police, protesters, Everybody from all walks of life are going to be here to kind of say what they thought about it. Uh, and this is the first time the Emergencies Act has been used in 34 years. Oh. So uh, we've had a lot of things over the past 34 years that have kind of happened. Um, yeah. Some other protests that were a lot more uh, violent, I will say, in Canada that have happened over that time. And I guess there was no need for it. And one Just of for the some truckers points... to go to Ottawa. Right, right. One of the points that had been made as well is, uh, well, maybe you have an Emergencies Act for a little area if you if you really feel you can pull it off, but then to just initiate it all across Canada. I mean, I think that I think that the uh, the truckers um, they represented sort of the power of numbers as well, because if you remember, like on, I mean, the video of those first few days in Ottawa. Like that first, I was told there was over 2 million people and I could see it. Like it, it was, was it was a sea of people. Any way you looked down any road, you just couldn't even fathom how many people were there. And uh, they had, you know, the a little thing flying around. What do you call those? They fly around a, this, a little drone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were getting all, you know, all of that. Now, Cody, so you're saying that every single day for the next month or half, you know, almost a month, um, people will be coming and testifying. And when will the yeah. PM be on? So they don't, um, they have a whole list of, I think, over 25 or sorry, 65 people. And uh, they're not going to call every single person on that 
you know, list that they want. But the JCCF was there, and I think we're all very familiar with the JCCF. Uh, they were on the ground uh, for the protests, and their lawyers uh, continue to be involved, and they are here to hold the government to, to account, is what they said. Uh, Citizens for Freedom is also there, and they are going to help with the Ambassador Bridge protest and blockade uh, that they're also bringing in. So they're kind of lumping in everything that happened in Canada during that time into one you know, thing, the Ambassador Bridge. Um, I'm sure Coots as well, the Coots blockade will be um, talked about. And uh, yeah, like the Democracy Fund was there uh, and they sent lawyers to Ottawa and to Windsor to provide demonstrators with legal information about their rights when, when protesting, as well as the limitations of those rights. And their objective is to uncover the truth on why the federal government involved the powers and how they use their powers. So there's a lot of different groups of people coming together from different angles to uh, really get to the bottom and to get to the truth about this. Well, I, w- I want to see the Prime Minister. Like, um, when's he up? W- w- hopefully know? we'll be there and hopefully we'll be able to, uh, they won't announce that one, they won't tell us the what day. <laughs> but uh, we, right. we sent in our I mean, media request and we're going <laughs> to, no, yeah. so we're going to do whatever we can to uh, to speak to him and hopefully get you know, an interview with him would be awesome because we have some words for him, of course, and some questions, you know, Laurelyn, we got a few questions. Um, but uh, when they were documenting, I thought this was quite interesting because you have been kind of going to some of the rallies for quite some time, you know, yep. since maybe maybe the beginning of 2020. And they, they kind of documented all that. They documented the first protest happening in April of 2020. And, you know, by July of 2020, there was protests happening all across Canada on the same day. They were coming synchronized. Then it kept getting worse and worse and worse and more people were coming. And then there was 2021, you know, we had big protests all across Canada. It didn't seem to worry them. You know, the the government didn't care to come and speak to the people. They didn't want to, you know, ask, why are you guys protesting? We see these protests are getting bigger. We're standing back and we're watching, but we're just going to ticket you guys or arrest them. As we've seen, you got a couple tickets from rallies. So did I. So, you know, they kept getting worse and worse and worse. So to speak to the government, you know, more people are coming out. There's, a bigger movement happening and then they didn't really care to speak to the people they still didn't care to speak to the people uh, it came to the trucker convoy for them to finally be like hey we're going to put a stop to your guys protesting you know when it was almost two years of full protesting you would have think that the government could have came and spoke to the people you know even last year or at the beginning of it to see like what are you guys protesting why do you guys want to stop the mandates like what is your reasoning behind this but he he chose not to do that and even in 2022 with the trucker convoy, he still chose not to speak to the people. He chose to use his, you know, magical powers to, uh, you know, run people over on horses and to tear gas people and to shoot them with rubber bullets. So, yes. And, you know, and I, I think people would have been, they would have been happy to have some members of parliament, uh, some conservative yeah. party members uh, could have invited a formal meeting because what happened in the United States when when the uh, trucker convoy in Canada was done, uh, my husband and I went to Washington where we heard uh, a whole bunch of truckers who had been inspired by the Canadian truckers yeah. were now also in a convoy to Washington. And what happened there is that Senator Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson absolutely agreed and invited them to come and to speak and to air their grievances on camera, of which I was a camera. And, uh, and, and that was like, that just gave 
just some balance and peacefulness, you know, to the whole process. And so you're right. That was never done. Trudeau uh, just has maintained uh, he wanted everyone vaccinated. Otherwise, uh, you, you better not think that you can go on a plane or train is basically what he said and, and that you can sit next to people in a restaurant. Um, now that we're finding out that, of course, Pfizer did no tests to understand about the spreading, uh, if you could still spread the uh, the virus um, with with the shot. And then we find out, of course, that it it didn't matter at all whether you were, um, you know, got your shot or not, you could still spread the virus. And so that really has eliminated a large portion of why they've done all of this. And it's that's literally been within the last couple of days. Um, do you think they'll be giving any medal, medical uh, updates on, you know, on anything? I mean, this all happened, I, I to, Cody, because this all happened because yes. truckers didn't want to be forced to get a shot that they didn't feel they needed in well, order especially to when they're in their, their trucks by themselves. Yes, they're in a truck all by themselves. They're crossing the border. They see very few people. Like, I mean, they're a trucker that if they're in there by themselves. There was no need for that mandate, especially so late in the game, you know, 2022, when this pandemic was in 2020 or even 2021, when they had the mandates everywhere else, why didn't you just do it all at one time? Yes. You know, they waited and waited and waited for the truckers. So um, I, I don't know what's going to be interesting to see in the coming days, what happens, especially when Prime Minister Trudeau gets up there and says what he has to say about why he, you know, used his special powers. But, uh, you know, we're hoping this really doesn't happen again and, and the, the truth comes out about it because so many people's lives have been affected by this so power. You- Yes, yes, they really have. So you were saying that one of the key things that they want to cover, uh, just before I let you go here, but they they want to cover the funds, like so, so the 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 fund the funding account that's a big deal to them. Yes, that's one of the the big things that they were talking about. Is you know because if it wasn't for the money, would all these people have gone to Ottawa? I think so. I think so. Absolutely. So, you know, they're looking at it. Well, it was funded. And who was it funded by? The the United States. A lot of people from the United States supported the convoy. Exactly. Who who supported (laughs) it? So they want to get to the bottom of that. And and especially the freezing of the bank accounts. Um, Over $20 million in trucker money was, you know, seized. And and we don't, we kind of know where it is, but, you know, they don't have access to it. The truckers don't have access to it. So, uh, that's the big thing that they want to get down to is, you know, was this, who is this funded by? And, and was it the money that was driving all these people to go to Ottawa and to do this and to, you know, honk their horns and to, you know, disrupt the businesses and to, you know, tear down the, the walls of parliament, you know, whatever they're claiming. Uh, we know that for us, and I'm sure for you and many others, we didn't go there expecting to get any money because for one, we didn't know what was happening with the give, send, go, and the GoFundMe. And second of all, it really had nothing to do with us. We were there for our own reasons. Yeah, we well, I guess maybe the, the government fuel or to, to help, you know, if they thought to, to help those yeah. that are fighting for our country. But, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just shocking to me that you can, you know, I think that the original understanding that I have, Tamara uh, Litch, she, she, you know, she did a GoFundMe account to get her and her buddies to be able to support the truckers. Yes. 
And then it just kind of took off. I mean, how did she know? <laughs> right? Exactly. Now, now, is she, she's going to be giving testimony? Uh, Tamara Leach uh, was there today and she, I believe from a conversation, I'm sure she's going to be there every single day of yep. the uh, inquiry. So if you have any questions, I will for sure ask them and uh, for her and I'll send them okay. your way. But um, mm. yeah, so she will be there and she will for sure leave. Okay, Cody. So are you planning, how easy is it for someone to travel to Ottawa upon hearing your testimony that, it, that the, the courtroom's not filled and they go, well, hey, I'm going to go and, and go sit in on these. Can anybody get in? Yes, it is open to the public. You just go down to the building and, uh, and they should let you right in. You shouldn't have any issues. Uh, if it's not full, if it wasn't full today, I'd, I would love to see it full, especially with it being such a big thing. And I'm surprised small building. I thought but, it would uh, be standing room only and you can't get in and people would be disappointed, but that's not happening. No, that's not happening. So hopefully, um, that may change in the coming days as more people come, you know, more people who are witnesses and who are doing. And if I was within but, 200, uh, miles of there, you couldn't keep me. You know, I just, I'm not prepared to do a long haul right now. Um, <laughs> having said that, Cody, I'm kind of excited because I'm actually going to be heading that way for a, a tour um, in Southern Ontario and over into Nova Scotia. So I got to make it there. I have to. You do. You do. It'll probably still be going on. Uh all yeah. of October and, and November for sure. So right. you definitely have to make your, your stop okay. there. I mean, this is a huge part of history in, in oh, 34 man. years. Probably never in my lifetime have I seen this and I probably never will again. And probably maybe not even in your lifetime you've yeah. seen this happen. So Even me. Uh, <laughs> even you. <laughs> it's a big part of history. And I really think we, we should be there to, to watch it you know, yeah. unfold because Cody, it, it could really change the future. Well, I just think that, you know, this is kind of like, you're such a neat person and uh, you've watched, you're so young, but you're very engaged and you're on the right side of things. And I just pray that the Lord will guide your steps and help you to be in the right place at the right time and that you would be wise, uh, Cody, be always vigilant and careful. I always say in these situations, even when I was in Ottawa, I was listening for that voice of the Holy Spirit, like to, to let me know when not to go, you know, yeah. uh, to not be in a place where harm would come to, to yourself. That would be important. So, um, but of course it, we're thinking it's peaceful now, but the government seems to be able to try to fine or imprison. Look what's going on with the guys at Coots still. Um, it's just shocking. I've had youth that yeah. lived with us who would ro go out, rob a liquor store and beat someone up and they'd be out that night. Yes. No, the, the system is definitely, uh, has some issues, you know, in, even in the United States, they, they have issues in their justice system. So, you know, hopefully we can see some policy changes and some law changes, um, because of this, but uh, the yeah. Coots border is actually a little different. I have actually spoken to some people um, who have been kind of closer to the Coots and uh, they may be more guilty than we think. 
you know, they're, they're not as innocent as, you know, we're all saying they're innocent, everybody's innocent. But uh, from what I've heard from a bunch of different people, close to them, not close to them, uh, there's a big story behind that. And, uh, and they're kind of, from what I've heard, more guilty than, than innocent versus mm-hmm. what we've seen in Ottawa, where it was just kind of mischief and, you know, honking your horns or breach of whatever the, the singing Oh Canada too loud or whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the coos thing did involve weapons and guns and stuff like that, which I mean, if they needed to go there with the RCMP and, and do some kind of act, they could have, you know, the RCMP was down there and was very peaceful with hugging everybody was, you know, said, thank you guys. And it was really good. So even with the weapons that happened at Coos, that was totally separate from Ottawa. That was like what three provinces over, yeah. uh, did not have anything to do with each other. You know, the people in Ottawa would have left if they had the opportunity just to be heard and, and spoken to, but same with the Coots. I think they would have all left as well, but I think that's what they're kind of using as the weapons and the guns to, you know, I think that's what they're going to say is their reason was because there was weapons there. Um, yeah. But I mean, that'll all come out in the coming weeks. Yeah, I guess it'll need to. And I, I do know that I guess when you mistreat um, the people of a country, you you can set off some reactions that are yes. uh, that are dangerous because uh, people are fighting for what they think is their very lives and their their country, their freedom, democracy, you know, it can really set off a series of things. Uh, thank you so much, Cody. Will you please text me every day and let me know what's going on and maybe we can have uh, a few of these happen, you know, maybe not every day, but if something important happens, like yes. just like you could give us a, a two to three day encapsulation of who spoke, what it was about, the feeling you got, how many people are attending and saving my spot for when I get there. That'd be great. Absolutely, I will. I'll, I'll take some video footage for you guys so okay. you guys can uh, can see. Are you, you allowed know, to have cameras in there or any recording devices or no? Yes. Yeah. Really? You can. Yes, it's uh, it is uh, public opening, and uh, they want as many people to hear as possible. And and we, uh, me and Selena, are we're going as media, and so we are able to uh, record and and tweet and and do all that stuff. So. I will for sure do whatever I can to get you some and any interviews you want. If I'm able to get them, I will for surely. Uh, Thank get you, them Cody. You and where can out. people follow you? Uh, so they can follow me at Freedom Central Canada. Uh, I have me and Selena Paley. You'll see us on there and we're going to cover and we're going to talk to as many people as we can, especially the people, because that's what's important down there. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get some clips and whatever you need, Laura Lynn, I, I will help you out. And, I uh, love yeah, Freedom that. Freedom Central Canada on, Thank uh, on you. Facebook. Okay, well, we're going to check out Freedom Central Canada. Is that dot .com? Uh, yeah, as okay. well as we'll be on Facebook. Facebook and, 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 on face- and, and on Facebook. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I got uh, three days to go and I'm back on Facebook. So all the people that are writing me asking if something's Excellent. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> all these people, well, where'd you go? They think that I'm like, you know, I've given up or I'm in a we hovel or something. Facebook yeah. has missed you. Right. That's nice. Okay, Cody. uh, God bless. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you really soon. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. Bye, Laura Lynn. Thanks so much. Take care. Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't he adorable? Um, So Laura Ingram on California's new medical misinformation law talks about how we, um, oh, 
Okay, medical misinformation. Okay, so this is the law you're saying that we covered last week uh, in which they can, what, they can take your license or whatever if you're doing misinformation. And who determines that? Okay, let's have a look. Who decides what constitutes disinformation given how much has changed from 2020 to today, just as it relates to COVID? Well, according to this law, AB 2098, that Gavin Newsom signed into law recently, he does. His state medical board, which is run by a trial lawyer, does. It's not a panel of physicians. It's not a panel of peer-reviewed uh, journal experts. It's not a panel of people who were elected by the citizens for this purpose. And it's certainly not a predefined list of medical facts that's been vetted against the literature. It's whatever they want it to be, and it can change. It's like having a speed limit that changes every day and isn't posted, and you just have to guess what it is. It's impossible to follow. You know, um, I got uh, I got taken off um, a platform, a social media platform. I won't say which one because they're probably listening. And um, a year later, I got reinstated because what I had said a year ago was now allowed to be said. So who is determining what's misinformation? And of course, you know, now we're allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and that ridiculous thing that's going on where before, right, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was saying, well, we were told by the CIA, um, or was it the FBI? FBI? We were told by the FBI, you know, that uh, there's probably some disinformation coming down the pike. And so we want you to curtail it, right? Well, it wasn't disinformation. It was a laptop full of a lot of hanky-panky, a lot of, you know, hookers and drugs going on, and some other very important information on the Biden family and their business dealings with people across the world that could put uh, President Biden in a very compromised position. So now we're allowed to talk about that. Before we weren't. So you can get your platform taken down. So medical disinformation. So what we know now, like Pfizer just admitting that they had no idea whether it would cause, um, you know, whether the shot would stop the spread from person to person. They had no idea, but they were basically saying it's safe and effective and this will stop the spread. And Joe Biden absolutely said that. Now, if a doctor had come out at that time and they most certainly did. And it, when people came out at that time and they said, there is absolutely no proof that this will stop the spread, you know, then all of a sudden that's medical disinformation, right? So as we're finding and, well, discovering and uncovering all the lies, uh, then, you know, when will they not be able to label it disinformation? It's just a, it's a big mess. So... Quick video before we go, Minnesota Rep. Angie. No? Oh, okay. The the web. Daily Mail, UK, Pfizer's COVID, Paxlovid can cause deadly blood clots, this study warns. So that's just the Paxlovid. Now, this is, uh, this is a, a drug that, uh, so I don't want to spread any misinformation because I'm I am not a doctor and I don't play one on television, uh, but I had a friend who wrote me and said, well, this is what they're prescribing and want to give to my husband. And I looked it all up and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about it because where it's from and, 
and all of that. And now we have this being reported, so I hope that I'm not getting in any trouble because who's deciding what's misinformation? It, yesterday we didn't know this, today we know. Now is it information rather than misinformation? I don't know. Minnesota Rep Angie in a funny, weird debate comment. So take a look. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and Thank standing you. against my constituents. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, say that again. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and Thank standing you. against my constituents. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to stand for Big Pharma. Because they, they're making all that big money. Who cares about my constituents who got me elected or whatever? All right. Super funny. Um, so we have a still image, the Atlantic Magazine story on, okay, so Muslims in Michigan are opposing teaching pornography to their children um, and it being what? The evolution of white supremacy. Oh, okay. So, so the evolution of white, so, so these are the, are these the white supremacists? Right. In Dearborn, Michigan, Muslim parents who, oh my goodness. Oh, shoot. I, I put my, oh, I can't read it because it's okay. Oh, there we go. Uh, Michigan Muslim parents who oppose teaching pornography to children become the new face of the far right. <laughs> I love it. You know, they've had to uh, start saying that the problematic group is no longer the racist because there's so many uh, African-Americans and Latinos now joining the Republican Party in record numbers. The Dems are just tanking. And so they can't keep calling all the black people and Latinos racists. <laughs> so now it's like the Christian... Uh, nationalists, right? Christian nationalists. They already called Tanya Gaw that a Christian nationalist. Um, so we're all deciding that we embrace that. We are Christians who believe that our country uh, is a wonderful national country and we support God, country, and family. And that probably makes us racist and bigots and phobes of some kind. Uh, my name is Laurelyn Tyler Thompson. My website is laurelyn.tv. I just want to say a very grateful thanks uh, to your kindness for supporting this work. Thank you for taking the time to go to the website and make a donation. And uh, I just appreciate you so very, very much. And it means a lot because first of all, uh, definitely supports the work that we do and helps us to keep being able to do it and also eat. But it also gives us emotional and spiritual support. We feel your prayers and we feel those arms that are linking with ours to do this work together and that you're on our side and that we are like-minded and standing together to fight right now at this epic hour in history. So laurelin.tv, there's a donation button there. You can easily do that. There's also a, an email, laurelin 
live at protonmail.com and you can easily send me an email and talk to me about what's going on. You can uh, do that. I did have a letter. Let me just see if I can... Uh, I... Not going to read this on the platform we're on today. Um, it's a wonderful letter. Like I printed it off and kept it so that I want to read this situation that this uh, person's found themselves in. But maybe tomorrow or when we do another uh, thing. Oh, I sure do love you guys. So I thank God that we are in this together. Just thinking about a few things here. So, in everything that uh, that we're going through right now, when we talk about all of these very, very negative things, I want you to remember that even though, like the verse I read at the beginning of today. Uh, was about um, when somebody says peace, peace, and there is no peace. And we don't want to be speaking ridiculousness where it's like, oh yeah, we're just, you know, we're just having an, you know, some sort of like everything's okay, but we're not understanding the times. I believe that we absolutely do have to understand the times and Jesus told us that there was going to be these dark dark days and in fact in Matthew 24 it it basically says that unless the Lord shortened the days there would be no one left so for the sake of the elect he will shorten the days so that's really good news but I'll tell you what, for the very first time in my life, knowing the word of God, being raised as a Christian, for the very first time in my life, I'm like, I just wanna be found faithful. That when he calls me, when my time is up on this earth, whether I live to be you know, well into my 90s or hey, if the rapture comes and we're all gone, you know, they'll just find our clothes on a clump on the floor, I guess, and say that we've all been taken by aliens I don't know uh, or you know if I I go at the appointed time I just want my life to have been dedicated to doing the purpose and the will that God formed me in my mother's womb to do when God made us the Word of God actually says He knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb and He had a plan. So as we see all of these things unfolding and they're a bit scary, the Bible says to look up because your redemption draws nigh. If all of these things are happening, it's because God's got a plan. And in Matthew 24 verse 45, it says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. It's good if God finds us doing what we're supposed to be doing when he returns. I want to be that person. 
Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master, he's staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he is not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to be found faithful, doing and sitting and standing and speaking and being in the very place that God wants me to be at this hour. Not being a coward, not being a liar, not being a thief, not being a gossip or a slanderer, but one who stands in righteousness before the Lord. And always remember, we're not faithful, but God is faithful, and His righteousness is our righteousness. I've loved being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.